Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Thursday, July 27th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, politicians are giving their stump speeches at the Neshoba County Fair ahead of the August 8th primaries. Then it's Black Women's Equal Pay Day, and advocates say Mississippi's laws are ineffective. Plus, a documentary series airing on MPB TV shines a light on Southern storytelling. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Many candidates for state office are speaking at the Neshoba County Fair this year. They're rallying their supporters ahead of next month's primaries. Greta Kemp Martin is seeking the Democratic nomination for attorney general. She says Republican incumbent Lynn Fitch is not doing the job Mississippians elected her to do. Mississippi is currently embroiled in one of the largest, most far-reaching scandals in its history. Tens of millions of dollars meant to go back into our communities, stolen. Our state auditor and his office uncovered this scandal in 2021 and immediately referred it to our attorney general. Immediately, she hired a private attorney on your dime, only to later fire that attorney and hire a law firm at five times the cost. And the only reason I can give you is that law firm is one of her top donors, especially when she claims and will likely say here today that she has a top-notch team of investigators and attorneys that you're already paying for that could have handled this mess. But that's only the tip of the iceberg. Under the radar, she has settled Mississippi claims regarding Hurricane Katrina for pennies on the dollar, money that could have helped the coast and continued progress to restore that vital part of our economy. Instead, she spends her time promoting a false record on human trafficking cases when the prosecution rates and the incarceration records do not follow her narrative. In a state without a Department of Labor, One would hope that our AG's office would make sure that working Mississippians have adequate support and representation. Instead, she filed a lawsuit opposing a raise to the minimum wage for federal contractors. She's failed to investigate potential labor violations that recently killed a 16-year-old child. And she's decided to tell corporations, none of which operate in Mississippi, how to run their business. But that's who she is. I'm going to tell you who I am. The simple fact is, I'm a gun-owning daughter and granddaughter of law enforcement officers. 
In fact, my father is running in the Republican primary for sheriff of Tishomingo County, and he's going to be the best sheriff that county's ever seen. I'm a Mississippian that believes that people have enough sense to make their own health care decisions, whether I agree with them or not. And I believe that the government should stay the heck out of our medical records. I'm an attorney who has a history of representing individuals across this state in front of judges and juries and whose public service agenda will include common sense advocacy that will benefit you, Mississippians. Republican Attorney General Fitch did not reply directly to the comments made by Martin, but during her speech, she did share the record her office is working to continue. I work with an amazing team, and this team works every day for you. We are out there protecting, serving, looking after your best interest. And you know, when I got elected four years ago, the first thing we needed to do was restructure your attorney general's office. This is truly your office. First and foremost, it was important to really think about and enhance our partnerships and involve all of our critical stakeholders with our law enforcement, our businesses, and most importantly, you. And so in the last four years, here's what we've been doing. We've been investigating crimes. And at the same time, we've been supporting our victims of crime. You know, at the same time, we're filing civil lawsuits to protect your interests. We're defending the laws of Mississippi from that overreach that is encroaching on us in so many different ways. But thank you for working with us on the opioid epidemic, human trafficking, and protecting our children. There are a number of things we've been doing and we must continue to do. We have to support our law enforcement. And together, we're working with our Mississippi businesses. That is so important. Again, building a stronger economy together. Now, look, we're doing a lot of other things, too. We're taking on big tech. Because we are not going to allow them to censor you, to censor Mississippians, to harm our children, their mental health, and their well-being. They created this harm so they could profit off of all of us. So we're going to continue to fight the good fight and take big tech down where they are harming Mississippians. And look, you know, I'm, I'm always engaged in a good fight when it affects Mississippians. So we're taking on Big Pharma, too. You know, we've sued the three major insulin manufacturers because we have hundreds of thousands of Mississippians who are diabetics, who have to have insulin to live. Right now, they have to ration their insulin. They're taking expired insulin, or sadly, they're not taking their insulin at all. Because again, they've had to choose between insulin or buying their groceries, or buying school supplies for their children. And that should never happen. And you know why they're doing that? Because the cost is outrageous. It is a thousand percent more than it was a decade ago. Well, that is unacceptable, and we will fight Big Pharma to take the insulin price down. Also speaking at the event yesterday were the two leading Republican candidates for lieutenant governor. Senator Chris McDaniel claims to be the most conservative voice at the state legislature and is seeking the nomination in this year's primary. It was Reagan that reminded us that freedom 
was only a generation away from extinction. It had to be fought for. It had to be nurtured. These difficult times can be saved by the Republican platform, but we've got to fight. I want you to think about the Democrat mindset. They're here to tear down your foundations. It's the party of radicals. We have to stand in the gap against those people. They are the problem with America. Everything they touch fails. Whether it's Jackson, Mississippi, or Chicago, Illinois, Democrats are the problem. Now, if we know they're the problem, and we know they're here to seek the end of this country as we know it, why would you ever reach across the aisle to those people? Why would you ever compromise with those people? Why can't we learn to hold the line against those people? I have respect for Delbert Hoseman, but it's fair game to point out his record. It's fair game to talk about his adherence to Democrat principles. It's fair game to recognize that he has more in common with people like Mitt Romney than he does Ronald Reagan, and that's a problem. Now, how do we know this? Since he's been LG, I served with only 16 Democrats. For some reason, he appointed 13 of those Democrats to powerful chairmanships. Delbert Hoseman stood in the way of us getting rid of the income tax. He fought against religious exemptions for vaccinations. He stopped and cold tracks the ballot initiative process. It appears we just might be the last ones unless Mississippi learns to stand its ground and push back. Hey, man, that song, Try That in a Small Town, how about try that stuff in Mississippi? But I'll tell you this, I believe we've got to fight to build a better economy. No more handouts. Our people need jobs. We need to eliminate that woke culture in our schools. And if those, if, hey, listen, if those professors can't stop it, we'll bring them home. You understand what I'm getting at? Let's place parents in control of their children's lives. We need a parental bill of rights in this state. Clean up the election system. Let's end corruption in Jackson. Put an end to the good old boys club. Establish sovereignty again in this state and tell Joe Biden to go fly a kite. Senator McDaniel of Ellisville, incumbent Republican candidate, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman, says he wants to build a better Mississippi. During these last four years, we raised teacher salaries $1,000, then $5,000 a year. These public servants are educating the future of Mississippi. This year alone, we put up $2.3 billion for infrastructure to fix your roads, your bridges, your ports. We expanded broadband all over Mississippi. You're seeing it every road and bridge. You're seeing our broadband everywhere. And a billion dollars went into water and sewer in cities and counties. You know what else we did? We cut your taxes. The legislature cut taxes $525 million. More money in your pocket that you earned. We made businesses able to write off every expense you have so that loggers and farmers and people that buy computer equipment, they can write off everything this year to try to help them proceed. We improved adoption laws. We stopped ballot harvesting. We instituted mandatory sentencing for carjacking for police officers and and fleeing police officers. We had more positive legislation than ever in the history of Mississippi. And now we had this pathological opponent of mine who's claimed I worked in an abortion clinic. 
Well, let me tell you about that. You'd think after the Thad Cochran race, he'd learn about that. Now he's using hundreds of thousands of dark money, out-of-state money to try to buy your election. I was endorsed in 1998, and every year thereafter by right, Mississippi Right to Life and the National Right to Life. I'm pro-life, he's pro-life. Then he questioned me as being a, re a Republican. In 1981, I put up as a candidate for a Republican congressional district. I was a Reagan guy. I wanted to see the world change. My opponent was nine years old when I started running as a Republican. There are 45 committees in the Mississippi Senate. I only had 36 Republicans. Send me more Republicans. Senator McDaniel has called for a debate with the lieutenant governor, but Hoseman has not responded yet. Coming up, it's Black Women's Equal Pay Day, and some women's rights leaders say Mississippi laws are inadequate. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Today is the National Black Women's Equal Pay Day, and activists are renewing their call that all Mississippians should have access to fair wages. This week, the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable joined several national organizations in a virtual discussion about the steps needed to make that happen. Executive Director Cassandra Welchland says black women in Mississippi only make a fraction of the wages made by their white male counterparts. Everyone should be able to earn a decent living and care for their families. And yet too many of women, you know, are really struggling just to make ends meet uh, because they are being shortchanged at work because of their wages. And we see this significantly, as Melanie said, um, in the South, where so many Women, and particularly Black women, are working low-wage jobs and are paid some of the lowest wages in this country, are situated here in the South. And we see that very um, clearly here in, um, in Mississippi. We could see the historical um, strongholds right here in the South. Mississippi did pass an equal pay law in 2022, but Welchland says it actually protects wage discrimination. Mississippi passed a really horrible bill, and they call it the Equal Pay Act, but we call it the Unequal Pay Act because nothing is equal about the bill that was passed in 2021. We're the last state um, to pass an equal pay bill, and that bill further discriminates. It actually basically gives an employer the right to discriminate. Um, it is codified into law that an employer can discriminate based on a couple of things, a couple of factors, one being based on um, salary history. Well, we know salary history is one of the tenets that continues to make the wage gap widen because we're not paid what we ought to be. And so if an employer relies on salary history, it makes that wage gap wider. The other thing that the Mississippi law does is 
It discriminates based on employment gaps. We are caregivers. And so for Mississippi to to basically say to an employer, I mean, for an employer to say to employee, but we can't give you what you increase your wages because you've had so many gaps, gaps in your employment. Well, she's a caregiver for her family. And we've seen that so much, you know, during the pandemic, you know, where women had to be and have been the caregivers of our children. And we also have babies. The other thing is around wage negotiation. We know that women um, don't negotiate like men negotiate. And if they choose to do that, then the stereotypes and the biases exist there that would further discriminate. And so the bill in Mississippi is pretty daunting. And when we talk about Mississippi, we're talking about women making 56 cents on the dollar. And for a woman to retire here, she would have to retire at age 91 to catch up to the wages of what a white male made um, when he retired at 65. That's significant. The wage gap indicates an immediate financial risk for black women who often serve as the primary breadwinner in their households. Compounded over an entire career, advocates say those lost wages add up. Emily Martin is vice president for education and workplace justice at the National Women's Law Center based in Washington, D.C. Black women who work full-time year-round typically lose well over $22,000 each year to the wage gap. And if we include part-time and part-year workers in the comparison, those losses are even larger. The money that Black women lose to the wage gap each year could pay for nine months of a family's groceries and eight months of childcare and six months of rent. And over the course of a 40-year career, A black woman starting out today stands to lose close to a million dollars, well over $900,000 if we don't close the gap. And you can't just educate yourself out of the wage gap. Black women's educational attainment has rapidly increased in the past few decades. Over four times as many black women received bachelor's degrees in 2021 than 1977, for example. But despite these educational gains, Black women are still typically paid less, not just less than similarly situated white non-Hispanic men, men with the same level of education, but they're paid less than white non-Hispanic men with less education. So Black women working full-time year-round typically have to earn a master's degree before they make more than white men with just an associate's degree. While there is a nationally enforced equal pay law, experts say it's often easier to take legal action when a law is enforceable in state courts. Coming up, storytelling is a time-honored tradition in Mississippi. A documentary series airing on MPB TV captures those voices. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. Join the conversation every Tuesday at 11 as we dissect issues that are important to you and your family. That's Relatively Speaking, Tuesdays only on MPB Think Radio. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The final episode of the docuseries Southern Storytellers is airing tonight on MPB TV. In Jackson, a screening of the show will include discussions with local writers and storytellers. Co-hosting the event is Lauren Rhodes. She's a writer and serves as editor and chief of the digital publication Rooted Magazine. Southerners. Uh, more than maybe many people in other parts of the world love to tell stories, especially in, in Mississippi, too. I mean, there's so many storytellers per capita here. And storytelling, I think, takes many different mediums. There's, of course, oral st- storytelling. And I think Southerners especially are uh, very adept at this this form of storytelling. But then, you know, writing visual storytelling, filmmaking, um, music, of course. Uh, The blues is essentially storytelling in music form. And so we're just rich with storytellers in this region. When you think about storytelling in the format that you're going to be introducing these folks, what can people expect? Well, I will be reading a story that I've written about um, two women in the Mississippi Delta who are preserving a synagogue, a historic synagogue. And so that's, that's the story that I will be telling. Um, I don't know what my co-host Kalamika will be telling her story about, but I'm excited to find out. And of course, you know, the stories can, there's, there's no um, guidance that I was given about what the story will be about. And so I think people are really free to, tell whatever story they feel is on their heart or that they want to share with the audience. As you mentioned, Mississippi is home to dozens of world-renowned writers, performers, storytellers in different realms. What stands out if you had to say Mississippi storytelling? Is there one thing that really stands out? I, I would say that the one thing that really makes Mississippi storytelling unique is the sense of place. Um, I think that in all stories that you'll read or listen to about Mississippi, place is a character. I mean, the landscape is so unique. The people are so unique. It's hard to tell a story about anything in Mississippi without feeling the landscape and the culture and the history really come to life. Um, and I'm from Colorado originally. And so I was really struck by that, the sense of place I felt that, um, Southerners just exude from themselves when they tell stories about this, this place and their own experience. Are the stories true stories, made up stories or both? Definitely both. I mean, Mississippi is home to a very talented fiction storytellers, fiction writers, but of course, you know, true stories are also so, so powerful. I'm a creative nonfiction writer and an essayist, so um, I'm really drawn to the genre of memoir and stories about real people, real places, real historical events. Um, but I think fiction made up stories capture the imagination in, in a new way and can help us make sense of our reality in, in ways that maybe true stories can't. So I think both are, are equally important um, and hold a equal value when we when we think about storytelling. Have we tapped into the essentials of Mississippi's storytelling 
Or is there still a lot to unearth? And what happens if those stories aren't told? I think there's still plenty more to unearth. I mean, there's there's so many people who have stories to be told that maybe they don't have the platform to tell them. I think that's one of the incredible things about one of the good things about social media is that it gives people an accessible place to to be able to tell and, and potentially share their stories to a wider audience. And um, that's what I'm I'm hoping to do with Rooted Magazine, too, is to, you know, capture the, the stories and experiences of maybe well-known writers and artists, but also folks who are just doing important work on the ground in their communities who maybe don't have time or, or who people aren't as aware of their stories, too. So, um, I mean, I, I just look forward to the future of Mississippi creativity and storytelling. I think there are so many more important stories to be told. You mentioned social media. Has that really cut into the art of culture and storytelling? You mentioned the positive, but are there some drawbacks? I think there are there are certainly drawbacks. I mean, social media, it can connect us, but it can also isolate us. And I think people find um, who are finding more of their connections to be online are losing that in-person, face-to-face connection that um, is so vital to the storytelling tradition and the oral tradition. And I think it also can and can cut down on our attention spans. As with any kind of technology, you know, it's two-sided. So I think we can really try to look for the positives and the connections in in our social media worlds and then try to limit that when it becomes unhealthy. Lauren Rhodes is co-hosting a screening tonight for the last episode of Southern Storytellers. Watch it on MPB television or online at mpbonline.org. It begins at 6 p.m. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.